From OTMP, welcome to MindWorks, a podcast going behind the scenes of our mental wellness clinic to gain insights into the world of mental health from our renowned team of experts. In this episode, behavioral therapist Rachel Chan Masariegos and child psychologist Nilam Hiranandani sit down to talk about how a child's problems can often be misunderstood by parents. They discuss what tools are available for parents who want to communicate more openly with their children and how simple strategies like the worry jar can be a useful solution and why solving your child's problems for them may inevitably create more in the future. Hi, Neelam. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Have you had a busy day? Yes, very busy. But I think it's quite good that we get to sit down now and and have a chat about this because I don't know if you've noticed because like me, you work with kids and families. Mm -hmm. But the one good thing that's come out of COVID is that parents are actually spending more time with their kids because of online learning or working from home, which means there's a lot of opportunity to communicate which unfortunately has also meant that a lot of parents and children have realized that sometimes there can be difficulty with communicating. Is this something that you've noticed with some of your patients? Yeah, in fact, recently I've been hearing a few of my clients say, I've tried to talk to my mom, but she doesn't listen, while their parents would indicate otherwise. They would say something like, I do listen, but how much more should I listen? Have you heard similar, Rachel? Mm, I think you know, how much more that's such an interesting way to put it, because there's a lot of emphasis, I think, on the quantity, right? So how much do we communicate? But in fact, what we really should be focusing on is the quality, right? So we don't necessarily have to be talking all the time, but when we Mm -hmm. do, it has to be meaningful. And it's definitely something that I've noticed. Actually, in fact, one of my teens recently said to me they had gone home to try and speak to their mom about something Mm -hmm. and they said to me you know I told her this and she was listening but she wasn't really listening and so that kind of made me think okay well what does it mean to really listen Mm -hmm. and are we actually listening to our children and I think one of the biggest things it comes down to is validation Mm-hmm. Right. So I keep saying to parents, the most important thing when we're listening to our children, mm-hmm. right before we have a conversation with them, is to ask ourselves, are we listening to comfort mm-hmm. or are we listening to problem solve? That's a good point. It's not about our responses to children, but rather how we listen. I think as parents, it's like an instinct that we feel we need to problem solve, and that would ease our children's feelings. Children go through many emotions throughout their day. It's like riding on a roller coaster ride. There are many times when they have highs and lows, and this happens every day. As parents, we have to go on this ride with them to help them manage their feelings. So when it comes to listening, think active listening to comfort is key without judgment and evaluation. How would you go about providing validation? Yeah, I think without judgment, that's really important. And, you know, for example, with this young girl, if she had a falling out with a friend at school, she's come home, she's visibly upset, so much so that parents have noticed and they've said, are you okay? Or what's wrong? And they start to have this conversation. It can be quite difficult, I think, at times to validate an experience that you don't understand. Mm -hmm. Right? So for parents to be listening to their child talk about oh, I had a falling out with a friend at school and, you know, she said this and this is what happened. Mm. It's quite hard as adults to 
understand why that has caused such upset in their child. It's true. Right? So I can't understand that. That wouldn't really make me feel that upset. So you shouldn't be upset about it. Mm -hmm. And I think it ends up leading to using dismissive language, right? So don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. You'll get over it. She'll get over it. Don't Mm -hmm. be so negative. And I think the use of a lot of this language ends up indirectly invalidating that child and their feelings because you're basically saying don't worry about it right so you shouldn't feel this way this shouldn't upset you and so I think the key thing for parents is to really look at the language that they're using and the vocabulary Mm -hmm. the intent is always good right Mm -hmm. parents love their child and they always want to be supportive so the intent is good but how do we deliver that that's kind of a different story so that's why I think like what you mentioned about active listening is really Mm -hmm. important yeah I think When it comes to active listening, it's one of the most invaluable gifts we can give our children. Active listening goes beyond hearing the words. It's about reading between the lines and drawing inferences from what they're saying and speaking. So like you mentioned, there are different ways we can active listen, verbal and nonverbal, using body language, gestures, facial expressions, and even the words can sometimes make a difference. Focusing, being, you know, fully attentive, being present are some of the easy ways we can just be present with our kids. We can actively listen by putting our devices down, being patient, maintaining eye contact, avoiding distractions, being alert, and also asking and answering questions back. That would help with, you know, providing praises, comments, and feedback. These messages that active listening can actually provide can model care, words, expressions, and kids pick on this. Mm -hmm. They they learn from these strategies almost. And these can happen very naturally as they active listen. I think you use such a good word there, model, because the one thing that I do notice is sometimes when we start using this invalidating language, indirectly, right? Of course, parents aren't doing it on purpose kids pick up on that and I've noticed that I have kids as young as five or six that come into this room and they'll tell me an event or something that's upset them and they'll say this made me really sad and they'll be super quick to go oh what but I shouldn't be sad about this Mm -hmm. it's not a big deal yeah and so they invalidate themselves so quickly and because of that then they kind of just brush it aside they don't really deal with the issue or their feelings in that moment and that's like a learned behavior yeah because they've learned it from parents they've modeled it of them yeah and so that means then in the future if i come across an issue not only am i not going to share it with other people but i'm not even going to recognize it in myself mm-hmm. because it's not a big deal because right. someone else has it worse and so therefore i shouldn't be feeling this way i'm not allowed to feel this way right so i think modeling positive language at home is really important mm-hmm when your child comes to speak to you, asking direct questions about mm-hmm. it. How did it make you feel? What did you think? You know, and it might seem almost awkward or staged to ask questions like, how did that make you feel? The questions like that, I think parents feel it's difficult. It's not natural. Yes. But I think for younger kids, especially, we need to lead them into opening up and sharing more. That's true, because I think age plays a big role when it comes to communicating and interacting about our emotions. Younger children in general have difficulty saying what they feel. Mm. It could be because of lack of vocabulary or they're still learning how to express themselves. Older children, like teenagers, withhold their facts and details. So when it comes to age, I think we have to model the right Mm -hmm. phrases to even ask these questions and, and validate them. 
What are some ways parents can validate? There are a lot of ways. I think, like I mentioned with the language and trying to avoid things like toxic positivity. Mm -hmm. So being overly positive, coming from a good place, of course. So saying things like, oh, when I was younger, I came across this issue and I was fine, which obviously comes from a place of support, trying to tell them that they can get over this and it will be okay. Mm -hmm. But it kind of tells them, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be worried about this right now or other people have it worse so because other people have it worse you shouldn't feel upset don't be so negative um, yeah. everything will be okay and I think that everything will be okay definitely comes from a good place but I think there are other ways that we can phrase that so it doesn't put so much pressure because what happens if everything isn't okay That's so true. everybody is okay about this but I'm not mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. does that mean something's wrong with me and, and I like what you mentioned about the intent is good from parents. They want to almost fix their problems yeah. almost immediately. And that's why it goes back to problem solving very fast. Mm. But the idea is, I think as kids get older, they limit what they have to share. And this invalidation of their feelings affects relationships, affects their bonds with friendships as well, not just family relationships. And I think that's what that's the takeaway. It's like a tool that parents can use and phrases that they could listen to comfort. Are there any activities parents can do at home that you've tried before? Yeah, actually, for younger kids, one of my favorite things to suggest is a worry jar. Mm -hmm. So essentially what you do is, and this is really good if you have multiple children, what you do is anonymously, of mm -hmm. course, just by looking at handwriting and by reading what the issue is, most parents will be able to guess who it belongs to. But just writing down a worry for that week, everybody puts it in the jar. Um, and at the end of the week, we all go through each of those worries. And there's an anonymous aspect to it, right? So we don't know whose worries they are. And we talk about them each. So we validate them. We say, you know, oh, I can understand why that would make this person feel upset. And so we focus initially to listen to comfort. Okay, right? so a worry jar sounds interesting. Have you tried it before? Yeah, I've done, well, not personally myself, but I've definitely suggested it to a lot of families. And I think it works really well because it gives children a sense of autonomy, right? So I can share and they feel, they don't feel the pressure of having people know what exactly their issues are. Okay. And I think it helps to have the whole family come together to listen to comfort and then right at the end we can listen to problem solve right so this is the person's problem that they're dealing with we've talked about the feelings we've talked about the thought that they might have about the situation so the final step is let's problem solve it together okay and i think it's also a really good activity to get families to become closer and communicate yeah. more yeah i think i think this sounds like a great idea worry jar i'll try it myself but what if a child does not want to share with their parents how they feel well I think that happens a lot right <laughs> but, but I think that's why I think sometimes when parents are really eager to have their kids communicate with them we kind of push to to sit down every night and let's have a chat and let's talk and I think just that pressure is enough to stop a child to want to share mm -hmm. so I I do think with the worry jar the reason it's so successful is because it's anonymous right right yeah. so Nobody sees who's putting what into the jar. You mm -hmm. can put it in the back of a room. And I think that aspect means that children don't feel like the pressure is directly on themselves. Right. But if that in itself is difficult, I think get parents to do it themselves first. Right, yeah. Right? Actually, so, that, that's a good suggestion. I think this way parents get more involved. Yeah. 
and children feel like they have freedom yeah and and they can you know just strengthen communication within all family members at home and i guess this increases the likelihood that kids would also listen to you indirectly yeah. and it, it sounds like it would also you know make them feel understood yeah and i think as parents you could also even if you come across like a really mundane problem day to day especially for younger kids where you've already solved the issue what you could do is broach it with your children so this is what happened to mummy today and what do you think and actually go to your children for help mm-hmm. right so you're asking for their opinion right and i think that's really important right because it's not just about me listening to you but exactly. i value your opinion mm-hmm. so much so that i want you to help me with this issue and right. validate me right yeah i think the worry jar is a great idea because it helps children express themselves even the sh- the ones that are shy the ones that have avoidant communication behavior patterns it helps parents who are not used to expressing themselves to children but just expressing themselves to partners i would think that using the worry jar would help everybody and also kind of release some of the stress that comes across with how do we talk it out and if we write our emotion down it gives us the like a prompt like a visual prompt that this is what my child is going through this is what mommy mommy and daddy are going through and let's help one another instead yeah right. and looks... communication does happen both ways yes so exactly. it's not only about listening all the time it's also about being listened to mm-hmm. and i think kids learn that through this worry jar right yeah it seems like this would also help develop effective social skills yeah i think so too <laughs> <laughs> I think I will try this out myself being an adult. I think it's it's a great idea. It helps me release my emotions and regulate my emotions yeah. at the end of the week and kind of give me an outlet myself and I'll definitely try it out with my kids. Yeah, why stop there? You could do it as a I think even adults could do it with their partner or their own mums and dads even if they're older. It's still useful to communicate, right? And it's I think it's a good stepping stone for building solid relationships. Right. Right. Yeah. Especially when we have kids enter their teen years and we start mm-hmm. engaging in slightly more risky behaviors and things like that. I think the key there is a good communication, right? Right. If you can communicate with people in your family and you feel comfortable doing so. Right. I think that's a really good setup for success in the future. Yeah, yeah. So Neelam, what are some of the ways you've noticed in your practice that perhaps parents indirectly end up dismissing some of their children's feelings or some of the difficulties they're facing. I think very commonly what I see is parents usually respond with short responses like saying, "Oh yeah, I've been there, I've done that." <laughs> or "I've heard you, I've heard this before, so it's going to be better. You just have to wait it out, let the course pass and then you'll be fine." But I think parents by doing that is blocking kids from expressing themselves. and then kids learn to block out their emotions and they're not regulating how they're feeling they're not they they stop they stop sharing with parents eventually so i usually you know suggest parents to have different types of responses clarifying responses feeling responses so when i say feeling responses i mean using emotion words when they're responding like saying i know how upset you are mm. and perhaps have a follow up question or like i know you're angry let's calm down and we can come back and talk about it instead of saying something like you're angry i don't want to talk to you now go to your room something like that clarifying responses on the other hand is almost like you know using a ca- calculator 
kind of like having that perfect phrase that you can tell your child. Right. So it's almost like rephrasing what you're saying. So if your child says, mom, I had so-and-so day at school, you rephrase that and just make sure that you're hearing, hearing. the right words. Is that something you encounter too? Or are your experiences different? Yeah. I'm, and I feel like the, actually that's even something that we do in our sessions, right? We mm -hmm. kind of mimic or sort of highlight against so what I'm hearing is yes. this is what's upset you. Yeah. Just to show the person that you've really truly listened mm -hmm. and you're seeking, you know, further validation, like this is what's happening to you. Right. Yeah. And I think what you're saying is something definitely that's happening with a lot of families. Mm -hmm. And I think particularly when the issues revolve around social. Yes. Like so friendship difficulties or mm -hmm. especially for teens, like boyfriend, girlfriend type things. What happens is parents look at it from their lens, right? As a parent, 30, 40, 50 years old, I've already gone through this in my life. So mm -hmm. I've, I've had the teenage boyfriend, girlfriend. Right. And so when your child comes home and they're upset because they've had a fight or they've broken up with somebody, mm -hmm. It's difficult because we end up looking at it from our point of view, right? Yeah. So oh, you'll get over it. It's just it's just puppy love. Right. It doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. You'll move on very quickly. Right. But that's from our perspective because that's our experience, right? Yeah. But we also have to remember that this is from this child's perspective. So from this 15, 16 year old, this boyfriend or girlfriend yeah. was everything to them, right? right? And so, you know, try not to be dismissive of it because of your own experience, right? Mm -hmm. So realizing I can understand how important this is for you. I know this friend was really important to you. This must be really difficult for you. Yeah. Right. So yeah. focusing on them rather than your experience of a similar situation in the past. Yeah. And I think we need to be mindful that we all are different individuals. We all have our thoughts. We all have our feelings and we all have you know, different ways we react to situations. And while you know, kids model after their parents, they do have their own personality traits. And that's why their communication style is also, you know, developing at this stage. So I think at this point in time, parents should be very mindful about what they say. If they invalidate by saying that, you know, we've experienced this before, it's harder for kids to kind of understand what they actually mean. Mm. Yeah. Have you ever experienced your mom telling you something like that? Oh my gosh, all the time. <laughs> I think every single boyfriend I had in high school it was like don't worry about it <laughs> but that's something a lot like people tell you what you should be experiencing yeah right because that's what they know yes and then it kind of just makes you feel like well are you telling me that what I feel is not true yeah, yeah. because I'll get over it and so therefore I shouldn't be feeling anything right now because it's right. not a big deal right yes 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 so I think we need to be very alert when I when we sense that our kids want to talk yeah we need to take those nonverbal cues immediately and kind of you know even if it's not that serious of a topic we still need to be present yeah and provide our feedback just be ready on the go because I think actually what some kids end up doing is that they test boundaries mm -hmm. so they try and test okay what what is it going to be like so I'll start talking to you about this very small issue perhaps it's it's not a big issue yeah with the mindset of eventually I would like to tell you about this horrible thing that's happened yeah. to me or this this thing that I did that was wrong, right? Especially mm -hmm. when children have done something wrong, they don't really want to share that. Mm -hmm. And so I think when your kid comes to you with an issue that seems small to you, mm -hmm. you really need to listen because that's sort of the stepping stones for them coming to you for bigger issues in the, in the future. And I have seen actually children test parents because they want to test parents to see if they're really listening. Mm -hmm. So sometimes instead of 
saying how they truly feel, they mask their feelings and they kind of test their parents by saying, mom, guess what? I got in trouble today, for example. Yeah. And when parents don't react in a big way, then they're like, okay, there we go. Mom is really not listening. And I think that's what I've been seeing. Very, very frequently, actually, the younger ones express that to me more than the teens, because teens, I guess they're kind of used to it now. But children, on the other hand, they're quite innocent. And so they, they speak their mind. So when I have sessions with them, they're very open about telling me how their parents respond to them and that they are testing parents. So I like that point when you mentioned children test. And look, I think the other thing we need to remember is that parents are busy, right? Mm -hmm. We have children to look after, some of us work and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. We're not going to always be able to be fully present. That's yes. just the fact of life. Yes, and I think yes. something that's really important for parents to take away isn't just, okay, we need to listen and things like that because it, it, it's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of things to do. We have to think about the, the vocabulary that we're using, our mm -hmm. body language, mm -hmm. how engaged we seem, the kind of questions we're about to follow up with, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think parents also need to take a step back and maybe don't put so much pressure on themselves yeah. to be there all the time. Yeah. And with younger kids, especially if perhaps your child's come home from school and they want to speak to you about something, mm -hmm. but you're busy because you've got a huge project due or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. I think it's really important to, to tell your children that you want to be there. Mm -hmm. But in this moment, perhaps we can't, but yeah. we can talk about this later. Yeah. I think sometimes what happens is that parents just say, oh, mommy's busy, we'll talk about this later, and that's it, right? right and so right. children end up, they're very imaginative and creative, yeah, and so yeah, they yeah. end up filling the blanks. So mommy didn't talk to me that day because she doesn't really care about me and her work is more important, right? right? So they, they fabricate these, these stories, and yeah. these are the stories that they then tell me in session. This is why mommy and daddy right. didn't do this, right? So they, they have the motive for their parents' behavior. But the best thing that parents can do is cut that by just basically telling why mm -hmm. I, I really like to talk to you about this and thank you so much for coming right. to me I think that's another important thing thanking your child for sharing with you because yes. they don't have to yes, yes. right but yes. they've decided to right yeah. so that that makes them feel like oh they feel like me doing this behavior is good we're reinforcing that behavior mm -hmm. increasing the frequency of it for the future yes right yes. so telling them you know at this moment mommy can't but how about tomorrow we can go out to the park, sit down, yeah. have an ice cream and talk about this fully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that that kind of ability to fabricate why mommy can't talk to me mm -hmm. right now, it stops there. Yeah, and yeah. And it ends on a positive note. So giving reason yeah. to their child why they can't listen or be present because they're busy, it makes it more effective, I think, for yeah. kids. But then allocating a time and a comfort space, a comfortable space, very neutral, not emotionally threatening would be the best way parents can also approach this I think in yeah. the future right yeah and I think if you have a big family with a mm -hmm. lot of siblings yeah another thing that I really encourage parents to do is spend a lot of one-on-one -on -one time yeah like with each like an allocated time once a week on a Friday we will go to the park or right. every Saturday we go on a hike right. because the dynamics of relationships as a family as a whole it's very different when we're one-on-one -on -one. Mm -hmm. and so, so I think sometimes with the one-on-one -on -one time right parents are really busy there's almost this pressure that the one-on-one -on -one time you do have with your children have to be these grand things right we have to go to Disneyland or we have to go to Ocean Park or we have to have hours and hours of undivided attention but the reality of our busy schedule means that that's not really possible all the time so I think finding small pockets throughout the day even if they're like five or ten minutes where it's divide you know just just you and your child that's it 
I think that's really important. So whether it's making breakfast together in the morning or helping your child get into their pajamas one-on-one and having a chat about the day, anything small is, is enough. And I think parents shouldn't put so much pressure on themselves to have to do these grand things or spend hours with their children. And that's the only way it's enough. And I think the important thing to remember, it's not about quantity and it's not about how much time, it's the quality of that time. And you may be able to get more done in that 10 minutes you spend with your child making breakfast than in the hours that you spend at Disneyland, right? And I think kids, as well as adults, we go through struggles every day or weekly, I should say. And addressing some of this is very important. So allocating time weekly would help to kind of relieve some of that and alleviate some of that stress. Yeah, exactly. So mommy can't talk to me right now, but it's okay because I remember every Saturday we go to the park and have an ice cream. Right. And that that can that can be our time. Yeah. And kids remember. Kids remember when parents forget to allocate time. So they remind them. Yeah. And I think that would be a good way because that way kids can remind parents that mom, it's my time now. It's me time. You have to give me your time. Whereas parents also need reminders from kids. And that way it facilitates their communication. Yeah. So in summary then, Neelam, what do you think are the top things that parents need to be aware of? so that they're really listening to their children? I think we could structure some activities, some ways of uh, communicating, maybe in a fun way, Mm -hmm. giving time, like the worry jar you mentioned. I think that's a great one. I would use that personally myself. Also, I think the one-on-one communication suggestion was good, like having undivided time and undivided attention, active listening through verbal and nonverbal cues. These are all, I think, easy ways parents can maybe follow. Yeah, so being mindful of not just what you're saying, but your body language and and the technology around you being fully invested and committed to that conversation that you're having with your child. And yeah, and I I think with the language aspect, just not leaping to dismissing, whether that's dismissing from a negative perspective, but also from a positive perspective, right? Kind of checking in with yourself, am I being too positive in this moment? Mm -hmm. And, And then indirectly telling my child that, everything's going to be okay. Okay. And then therefore you shouldn't be upset. Right. Because the most important thing with communication is that we're really listening and we can help our child through whatever they're dealing with. And so if we dismiss, we just brush it under the carpet and okay, it's out of sight for now, but it's still always going to be there. Yeah. Right. And we want to give our children the tools to handle stressful situations in the future and be resilient and be able to communicate yeah so yeah I think those are those are really important things for parents to keep in mind and just being able to explain in moments where you can't communicate why Mm -hmm. and being truthful and open with your children is really important and modeling appropriate language right using vocabulary yourself and asking your children for advice giving them sort of some autonomy in family discussions are also really important things to do. Yeah, these are such good tips. I think this will also help build self-esteem in children. So thanks. I will follow all of this. Good. I hope everyone finds this useful. We can start using them day to day. Slowly. (laughs) Thanks for having this chat with me, Rachel. If you would like to know more about the topics discussed in this podcast, then please visit our website, www.mindworks.com.hk where you will find further information, advice, and support. You can also leave comments, like, and share. And if you want to hear future episodes, please feel free to subscribe. 
This episode was produced by Punch Presentations for OTMP and MindWorks. Thank you for listening.